listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Harry and talking about post-adoption depression. Hi, Harry. Hello. How are you? You okay? I'm absolutely fine. Thank you. It's very nice to talk to you. I wonder if you would mind... Thank you. I wonder if you'd mind um, starting by just giving us a bit of an idea of your adoption journey, what children you adopted, that sort of thing. Set the scene for us a bit. Absolutely. So I met my husband about 11 years ago and the conversation of children came up at the very, very beginning. So it was always something that both myself and him had real expressed interest in doing but a little bit later on in our relationship so yeah so I think we were about four years in and then the discussion came up again about adoption and we decided then to go through the process how to start the process was an absolute minefield I didn't have a clue and neither did he how to go about this we searched the internet and we were very lucky to find there was an open evening at a local hotel near to us, which local authorities and agencies came together in this big open evening. We went along, we were the only gay couple to be there, but actually, you know, they made us feel very, very welcome and it was very easy. We sat down, we had listened to a little bit of a presentation, and then we basically was assigned to somebody who was having a conversation with us. We sat with somebody, we expressed our interest into what we wanted to do, and they just said, okay, we'll get someone to be in touch with you. And that was kind of it, really. And then we didn't hear from anybody for, for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, a local authority near to us got in contact and said, we're, you know, we're interested in getting to know you more. Is it OK if someone comes round um, and has a bit of a chit chat? Were you nervous when they got in touch, when they were going to come and see you? Yes, I think we was really nervous because we were super excited about the whole kind of, oh my God, it's, you know, someone's actually coming to see us, you know, and I just, I, I think the worry was like, I hope that they like us or one of us, hopefully. And I think that was a natural worry, I think, that they'd like, they wouldn't like us, I think. And would they be, you know, against the whole gay thing? But I think, I think all those things are natural feelings that you would have, especially starting the process of, of adoption. So yeah, Definitely. we were really nervous. <laughs> and so you went through the assessment you were approved and what happened then yeah so we went through the assessment and we were approved and we were then assigned so basically they came around with a child's profile that they thought was perfect for us and she had a piece of paper against her chest and she said right you know I think I think we found someone perfect for you and we were really nervous and I was thinking oh my god oh my god what happens if we don't like it you like the child or whatever you know you just all these worries that go through your mind and then she turned the paper around with his little picture on and a bit mm-hmm. of a, kind of a bio of like about his about his little life and yeah oh god I was absolutely blown away the feelings and emotions of that seeing that photo for the first time I I thought this is my child this this is it this is what's going to this is what's going to create to make me a dad yeah it's such a great feeling very very emotional not only for us as as becoming parents but for the social worker she was also very emotional because we had said yes to to this particular child so yeah, and then that, that kind of, that happened. Then we went through to a matching panel. Yeah, or everyone was happy that it was going to go forward. And then we were pulled out of the meeting. into an, um, It was called an emergency meeting. 
And we thought, oh, I didn't have a clue because I forget we're brand new at this, thinking what's going on here? Oh, it's it's all, you know, fell apart and stuff's not going to happen. And they pulled us into a meeting and they just said, we would like to let you know that birth mother has just given birth to another baby, which is also another boy, which is a full sibling to your, to hopefully your eldest child. And wow. um, we would like, we would like you to take him as well. I'm just like, <laughs> and we were both looking at each other thinking, is this, is this actually, is this actually happening? <laughs> <laughs> and we were like what's going on what's going on so you fast forward a little bit and we kind of agreed that we would take him but my eldest child would have to move in first we were due to get married and move house so basically yeah we had our first child Oliver and then we got married moved house and then we had Archie literally within six months which was very unheard of through the adoption cycle but it's just how it happened and kind of went from there really. And then we thought, right, okay, it's going to be great. You know, two children, very close in age. They're less than a year apart. Wow. So we were like, yeah, we were like new parents to actually two boys at very different ages and very, very different needs. And then I thought, you know, we'd be happy at that and all the rest of it. And then two years after, we had another phone call to say that they had an eldest brother, another brother being born. And would we be okay to take him as well? And we were were, were adamant it was a no straight away. We were like, no, it's not happening. But they agreed that they would do, we would agree that we would do sibling contact because he was a, a full sibling. Before he got adopted out, it would be nice for my boys to meet him and all the rest of it. So all that kind of happened. And then something happened when a social worker couldn't attend one of these meetings. So I offered to take the boys halfway, but ended up actually taking them all the way to the house. And the foster carer came out with with now my youngest child. As soon as I had seen him, he was, yeah, I just knew that he, he was going to be my, my third child. So, and then that wow. was it. <laughs> it sounds like your response was really emotional to them, you know, that you were just immediately yeah. pulled each time. Yeah, I, I was because... With, with Oliver, my first child, you know, I always kind of, you know, I always wanted to be a dad. And of course, you know, I always thought there were going to be boundaries in the, in, in the way and there's going to be things that wouldn't let that happen. You know, of course, we've moved so much, so much more forward now. So hearing Oliver's story was kind of with, with my own family situation. His mother was a drug and alcohol user. And a family member of mine very close to me was also uh, a drug and alcohol user. So it kind of felt like a perfect match that I I could help him as much as I've tried to help this close family member. So, yeah, the emotional attachment was already formed before I'd even met him. Mm. And it's the same with all three of my boys. So you went from no children at all to three children inside two years. And I know that you and I, I know, I think you're crackers. Um, You know, I know that you and I have sort of talked before about the fact that we both struggled Mm -hmm. after the adoptions that we did. Can you just tell me a bit about the point that you realised that you were struggling and what happened? Yeah, so when I was placed with my second child, Archie, so don't forget, I literally only just had my first child in the December then I got married and then moved house and then after getting married 
it was about uh, just under two weeks when Archie moved in. So everything felt just a little bit, in my eyes, a little bit rushed. And my partner, um, James, had to go back to work really early. Um, he wasn't allowed the same amount of time that he had off for our first child. So I was newly married and had two children like I said, within a space of six months. Um, so a lot of things had happened, big events had happened and so on. And my second child was was just incredibly needy and incredibly, he just cried all the time and he just never seemed to be happy. And when I, when I met him, you know, going through kind of introductions and so on, you know, he always seemed happy and so on. I just thought that he missed his foster carer because she was an amazing person. She really was. And I just thought that he just wasn't settling for me. Just, And I just, I thought to myself, he just doesn't like being here, even though he's only uh, just turned six months old. He just never slept at night. I was awake constantly. And because my husband had to work and worked early, I felt like I was the one that was getting up through the night to to deal with him. And it just seemed to, and I, I was so exhausted throughout the day. And then when it, when it came to him wanting me, I just felt absolutely nothing at all. I felt no love, no desire to, to care for him. His basic needs I did, but as in, I, you know, I just didn't want to. I just didn't feel anything. And I just felt angry at myself that I wasn't feeling anything. So that led into me kind of not looking after myself. I, there were some days I just didn't, I didn't, some days I didn't wash for, for, for four or five days. And just trailing through the emotion of him constantly needing me. And I just felt exhausted. Yeah. And kind of put on a show, really, for when my husband came back, that the house was clean and the dinner was cooked. But he could, and, but I was very snappy and it wasn't like me. And, and he'd ask me questions, but I just felt like his life was perfect and mine was mine was miserable. It sounds really alienating, really. Like, yeah. Because mm. it sounds like you're trying to put up a front of perfection. Yeah. And yeah. you were feeling alienated from your second child, almost as if, you yeah. know, you obviously know that he wasn't old enough to feel those things, not liking yeah. you and things like that. But it sounds like you, it felt really personal and it felt really yeah. alienating yeah. You know, from your husband. And it's, it sounds really lonely. It was. I mean, it was incredibly lonely. I didn't have the network of friends I've had, I've got right now. I didn't know anybody who had children or you know, I did know people who had children, but they were all older children. I had no one who looked like me. So I had no one to bounce off. And um, yeah, I, and the friends that I did have were more of my party friends that I go out with and so on. And none of them had children. So, and yeah, I could have a bit of a conversation, but I felt like no one understood me. And if I, I thought, if I say something out loud, will people be disappointed in me? Or if I say it out loud, would it become real that I'm actually that I'm actually not enjoying this? I'm not enjoying being a father. All the things I thought it was going to be, it just wasn't. It it wasn't what it was. I understand that because yeah. I mean, I felt I felt like I was the only one in the world failing to do this well. And I yeah. I had heard of post adoption depression. I didn't know yeah. what that was, but I didn't feel depressed. I, for me, I felt absolutely panic stricken, and yeah. it was like blind fear most of the time for me. And yeah. I I recognised that thing of being able to go through the motions of care. Yeah. without your heart being in it at all so it's like I have cooked this 
I have fed you this, I yeah. have changed your nappy, yeah. I'm going through the motions, and yet I feel, for me, either just dead or yeah. absolutely panic-stricken fear. And yeah. I just kept wishing that there would be some sort of administrative error and somebody would come yeah. and end this placement. And it wasn't, yeah. I just wanted it to not be my fault, but for it to be over. And so I kept thinking, I wonder what kind of admin error could take place that would result in this ending yeah and it just wouldn't end and it was it was awful yeah no I I, I I totally get that I really really do and I all I wanted was for someone to come around and just go yeah we'll take them from you and mm. I would be washed of it all and the feeling of just feeling completely empty but at the time not knowing what what I was feeling I was I felt very very alienated from everybody but also felt like I needed to be perfect in front of everybody like my parents or my sister or somebody who came around to see me I felt like I needed to be this perfect model because I want because I wanted it and I signed the papers it means that I now need to provide and act a certain way but not actually realizing that I was incredibly incredibly sad inside yeah I get that and actually I remember that feeling of having pushed so hard to adopt feeling like almost humiliated as well that it had gone wrong yeah like you know yeah. as if as if some chorus of people was going to say well you said you'd make yeah. a good adoptive parent and yeah. look at you look at you now. yeah yeah absolutely it was just so horrible so who did you tell when when did you eventually sort of crack and admit that this is what was going on so there was I was due a visit from social services anyway and there was one morning where I was sat on the sofa and my son was lying in my lap and he was crying and I, I just all I could do was just stare at him I, I couldn't even have the energy to to, to, to hug him or anything I just couldn't I just really couldn't so I put him on the floor with some toys and just left him to it and then social services came around that day we were due a visit anyway but once again I was alone and she knocked the door and she was she was brand new I'd never met her before and uh, she was taking over from another social worker that uh, was looking after us she introduced herself and as the moment she said her name I just literally bellowed like I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't cried like that in a very very long time um, and I felt like she was the first person I could really just say what I wanted to say and I begged her I begged her to take them I said well, I need you to put them in the car and just do not look back and she just picked me up off the floor and she said have you got a garden and I said yes and we put she closed the the gate for the boys because they were in the living room and she made sure they were safe I went to the bottom of the garden <laughs> and um I I think I I think I screamed of just pure uh, pure anger and pure emotion that I was just really, really, really sad. And she felt that. So I told it's really her. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing you say it, I can almost yeah. feel it in my own chest. You know, I'm, the, I'm yeah. not there with you. I'm, I'm just, yeah. I guess I, I remember it. Yeah. But she was great. And I thought me saying this, she will now take them away from me and that'll be it. But actually she did the opposite. She said, I think you're an amazing person, even though she only just met me, but she, you know, she'd read all about us and heard all the information about us as a couple and what we've done for our eldest child. And she said, I, you know, this is what we're going to do. We, you know, I think you need to go and see the doctor. Let's phone up now. Let's book you in. Let's get you in today. 
let's get to see somebody and I will get support in for you and we will put a plan in place. And I said, right, okay. Um, so we got into the doctors that day and I said the same thing as I told the, the social worker how I was feeling. And he said, I, you know, um, I think, I, you know, I believe that you, you're, you're depressed. Yeah. And I said, I'm not depressed. I'm just sad. And he goes, yeah, that, that is the same thing. You know, mm. everything you're feeling and the way you are. He said, I've seen you before with the children and how you look now, you look exhausted. You know, I had bags under my eyes as big as anything uh, <laughs> because I hadn't slept because of all of the worry and the just kind of constantly fighting myself really to think that I wasn't good enough for them. Yeah. So the social worker waited until my husband came home. And then they put a plan in place. And she said, I suggest that you go away for a few days on your own. Either take a friend with you, a, a family member, but I suggest that you have a break. So that's what I did. I went away with a friend and for three days to kind of find myself and what I wanted and how I was feeling about everything that was going on. <clears throat> but actually just made me miss them boys more than anything. I, I thought about them all the time, but... I, I thought about my second child more because of the feeling of that I just have never that I've never loved him and he'd been with us a while since then and how was I going to put it right mm. and you know how do I start again and so on but it was understanding the depression I was actually yeah I, I, I was suffering from depression but not realizing I was so I had to take time out for myself to get myself better but with you, with with the you know amount of support from social services which they gave at the time they gave me low support they brought somebody in to help clean my house one day a week just to lift the load yeah. so I could spend more time with my children and my husband then spoke to his work to reduce what he was doing because he actually never knew that I was struggling because I'd always put a front on to him yes. But I absolutely hated him inside for no reason at all. And it was no fault of his. I just hated him because yeah. he was having a better life. He'd come home all smiling. The boys would absolutely want him and adore him. And I felt absolutely nothing for, for nobody at that time. And it was just, yeah, such a such a horrible, lonely, lonely place to be in. It really um, is. I mean, for yeah. me, I, I knew how badly I was drowning. And um, yeah. I'd heard, because... I was a member of New Family Social then. I yeah. wasn't. I didn't work there. Yeah. But I'd heard of this guy, and I'd heard that he struggled after placement. Yeah. And and I'd met him once at one event. That was it. That was the only connection I had. But I got in touch with him through NFS, and I just sort of sent him this message, and I just said, "I need to know how bad it was for you yeah. after placement, because I knew about post-adoption depression. I thought it was maybe yeah. a bit of a thing, but I knew that I was." freaking out and yeah. I needed I needed to know if anybody else in the world had ever experienced this thing and I messaged him and said how bad was it and he he just said it was hideous it was yeah. hideous yeah and and my response was oh thank god you know because yeah. I wasn't alone anymore and yeah. he was only three months ahead of me he'd only had his child three months longer but to me he yeah. was like a guru because he had survived three months more than yeah. me so far and I think he and I, and to some extent, dragged each other through it because it yeah. was somewhere that I could say, today it's really bad or today I'm hating this or, or I keep wondering, you know, I keep wondering if this was a mistake. And I also felt like I was letting our child down because he'd been really happy in foster care and he'd been really loved. And I'd removed him from a place that he was happy and loved into a place where I was just thinking, this is a mistake. I wish that this would end. Yeah. And I just, just so horrible on so many levels. 
what was your first moment of light, if you like? When did you realise that actually you might be feeling a tiny bit better? I, I think because because I had spent the time away and so when I came back, like yourself, I then did the research because I think one of the main things was to find p- parenting groups or find some sort of outreach support, really, for, like I said, I wanted something to look like me, really. Mm. So this was the the suggestion of social services to do. So I started to go to sort of baby events and things like that to try and have interaction with other parents and so on. And then, of course, I was given information of, you know, LGBT sites uh, for families and so on. And I did that through New Family Social. I joined up for the very first time (laughs) and we met a couple who were lovely 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 people they offered us out for a coffee and now these were going to be our first first people that looked like us they had a a child gay and yeah we were really I was so so nervous so so nervous about it more than I would ever ever have been meeting someone before but yeah I was really nervous so anyway yeah they invited us round and we went for a coffee and it felt so natural and so lovely and you know and they helped us immensely they invited us to different parties and so on which then there were other parents who then had children or were thinking about the adoption process and they all kind of looked like us and that's kind of when I started to feel better about me as a person but then I knew that I had to work on my love for my second child so it was I was spending more time with him bathing him and reading him a story why my why my husband read to our other child I spent more time with my second child to, to, to have to, to, to create that bond it didn't happen straight away it happened a lot lot later he was nearly two by the time I felt anything for him which is you know I had him just before six months and he was nearly two before I felt I could never be without him. I get um, that. I get yeah. that because that I kept Googling. It yeah. was the longest time it's taken anyone ever yeah. to fall in love with an adopted child. And it yeah. would say things like, I fell in love with my child after two months, two long yeah. months. And I'm thinking, okay, two months was ages ago. So yeah. then I'd go Google it again and I'd find six months. And I'm thinking, no, six months was ages ago. And yeah. for me, it took ages as well. But I can now, sometimes I think of it like filling up a swimming pool and you could either, you know, put a load yeah. of fire hoses into it and turn them all on at once. Yeah. And that is for Jackie, how her love arrived. It went whoosh and the yeah. swimming pool was full of love. You you know yeah and for me it was like a trickle it was like leaving a trickling tap at the edge of that pool and it trickled in and trickled in and for ages I thought it wasn't there at all yeah. and then just gradually I thought actually do you know what there is water in this pool and yeah. it's filling up and filling up yeah. and eventually over time something you know yeah. trickling in will yeah. fill a swimming pool and I, I think for me that's how yeah. it arrived absolutely it, it, I, I feel exactly the same that's how it happened it gradually happened and we were like I said I was lying there within one one evening and he you know he was stroking my nose and so on and I was saying to him say you know say dada and all that sort of stuff and he he just said it and and I think that's what made me you know fall in love with him yeah which was such a beautiful feeling so yeah and so having my third child gave me both sides of really loving my first child and what happened with my second that I knew by having my third child 
of all the things that I did before going through both processes that I was going to look at it differently and be more open and honest to people because I never was when I was struggling I needed to say I was struggling or having a bad day which I never told anyone I wanted to be the perfect perfect guy who made dinner from scratch for everybody my house looked perfect and for me to look perfect and that's all I ever wanted people to look in but actually that didn't happen Mm. so all my expectations of what I wanted it to look like didn't look like it at all so yeah it was about being more honest with people but my network had been created I created my network a lot more by having my third child was more established by then Um, so I had a lot more people to lean on uh, when, when he came along Tell us how he came along. Oh, God. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like yeah, a soap like, opera. <laughs> try, try, living, try living here. <laughs> I want to play the EastEnders theme music now and then lead you into this. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, he was another full full sibling to, to my two boys, like two years after they both arrived. So, yeah, he came and... He was a dream. He was a dream child when he came. He was so content and so easy to look after, so much more easier than my other two children. I don't know why, because he went through the same thing as my other two children. He, I, I think I think I got to that t- that place where I could just do it and not think mm. about it. And it, it felt easy. Yes, at times it was hard. It was back to, back to bottles and back to kind of walking through the night, trying to settle them again and stuff like that. But actually I enjoyed that I enjoyed it because more than I ever did in my first two children I enjoyed it I enjoyed getting up and making sure that he was okay and for him to know that I was there yeah and now like I said they are now seven six and nearly four and my my life has has, has massively changed so <laughs> much um, and actually tomorrow would have been Tomorrow is six years when I became a father for the very oh, first time. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. So, um, lovely. Yeah, so we were, I was just talking about that this morning. It's actually six years tomorrow that I became a father for the first time. So, yeah, like I just, I've got, you know, a great support network of friends from uh, gay dads, lesbian, bisexual friends who have all got children, who haven't got children or are thinking about it. Got such a great support network. And for the boys as well, they've got a great support network. Their school are really Really, really supportive of us we are the only gay family that attend that school and it was it's very religious but we've been welcomed with massive open arms and it's such a nice feeling it really really is that we feel part of our community uh, where we live so yeah I'm really really happy where we are that's really really <laughs> lovely if you could time travel back yeah. and talk to yourself at yeah. such a various points during this what would you what would you say and what do you think you needed to hear I think I needed to hear, reach out. I think this is what it is. You're not perfect. You're not going to make it right. You're not going to, you know, give them fish fingers. It's okay. You know, you don't need to make <laughs> Annabelle Carmel beef stew and orange squash. Oh, that, you know? that book. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, I bought the fish and I bought the breadcrumbs and I bought the egg right. whereas and I stuck the breadcrumbs to um, the fish and then I grilled it and the child immediately yeah. rejected it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were separated in little Tupperware boxes, all all frozen. And oh, I was yeah. that I was that parent because that's mm-hmm. how I thought it needed to be. You know that 
it, it, it's actually okay to give them fish fingers or chicken nuggets. It's okay. You don't need to. <laughs> so I think I would have told myself to relax a little bit more into it and reach out. And when you are struggling and you are feeling a little bit, I think, yeah, being more open to my husband would have been actually would have been really beneficial to me back then. Because like I said, he never knew what I was struggling with. He just thought that I was just, you know, because, because I was having a go at him all the time. He just thought I was on his case for whatever reason. He didn't think it was to do with the kids because when he when he saw me with them you know he thought I was a perfect father to them both but actually never knew I was struggling so I thought being open to him would have been a, a massive starter and then like I said everything else like I said not being not having an amazing house all the time because my house was immaculate I would clean constantly for no reason at all because I wanted it no one ever came around but I wanted it clean so it looked yeah. just really mad that actually I don't I, do, I don't do any of those things now my house is what it is <laughs> <laughs> and people walk into it and see a hundred Lego pieces in the hallway and probably, I don't know, dishes on the side and stuff. I just go, oh, I can do it tomorrow. I'm not yeah. worried about it today. Um, I haven't got time. <laughs> no, of course not. I mean, you've got three kids. <laughs> got three kids, I wish I could, yeah. I wish I could go back and tell myself that I would fall in love with him. I, would, I yeah. think if I'd just known that, yeah. it would have been fine. I could have coped. And I sort of wish that I could sort of time travel back and say to myself, how I feel about my three kids now and that I love them all and I love them ferociously and I love yeah. them solidly and it just feels so short and, mm. and I look at my littlest I'm so glad that he's here and it feels Amazing. like the place that he always should have been yeah. and I would I would hate that he'd ended up somewhere else or Me you know too. that this kind of imagined disruption had happened where somebody somehow ended it I'd hate that but I also sort of wish that I could go back and hug the baby that he was from a person who did love him you know because yeah. I didn't fall in love straight away and it meant that you know he was here when I didn't feel that way and I sort yeah. of wish I could go back and hug that baby you know yeah but it's lovely I never yeah. thought about I never thought about it like that like I said when when we when we met for the first time myself and you and we spoke about this you were the first person that I ever knew that struggled with right. their child and I remember it really well I, I don't mm. know where we, I don't know where we was I think we were sitting at summer camp I think and you told me this story. Oh God, I did sob that night. Um, because oh, I'm I thought, sorry. <laughs> I thought, I thought yeah. it's because it was the first person I ever yeah. spoken to about it, really, and actually said I felt the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I, I said to you, okay, lovely, I've, I've got to go now. And, and I went to bed, but actually I didn't. I went and, went and sobbed about it because, uh, like I said, it's just... It'll have that effect on people. Welcome to the camp, it'll make you cry. <laughs> no, like I said, even, talk, I... even talk about it right now, it still brings those emotions to the, you know, right to the front of you. You never forget it. You really don't. Um, no, I, I feel like that. It feels like... Yeah. Um, it's almost like battle scars, you know, because yeah. I've given birth twice and, yeah. uh, you know, the rumours are true. It does bloody hurt. But yeah. in a way, <laughs> this was like my giving birth in a way. It was like it was yeah. kind of labour or something. It was immensely painful and immensely challenging. And if there'd been more drugs, I'd have taken them. But, you know, um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, totally. I was the full epidural kind of gal, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> I almost, yeah, I needed the adoption epidural. I needed numbing <laughs> from the brain down to get through it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's sort of, that That was, that was mm. my labour, I guess, for this child. Yeah. And it was hard and awful and long and difficult and all of yeah. that. And yet, 
at the end, here we are, this is the family and, and he so belongs in it. And I've seen you with your kids and, you know, yeah. I understand that you're putting up a front before, so maybe I would have always thought this, but I, you know, cause you and I talk anyway, but I know that it's really yeah. solid and I know how much you adore them. And when you and I chat now, it's not about how we feel about them. It's about this problem at school or that medical yeah. thing or whatever yeah, it is. It's just different yeah, now. Yeah. It is different. Like I said, the, the things yeah. you worry about are the other stuff. Now, not about anything else. You worry about making sure they've got the right size pants and socks and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> that sort of thing that you worry yeah. about now. It's, <laughs> it's not the big stuff anymore. You just worry about making sure that you no. dress them and they don't go out with two different shoes or, you know, that sort of stuff, which I've done many a times. <laughs> yeah, if you manage that, you're on top form. You're having a good day. <laughs> Do you think I mean sort of joking aside do you think that there is something in that you lower your standards because you know for me child one it was like one level of standard and child two it drops a bit and child three has dropped loads and I just think maybe (laughs) maybe eventually you find a standard that you can actually achieve you know and maybe maybe there is something in that let yourself off the hook absolutely I totally totally agree with that like I said with your first child you're gonna be want to be this perfect parent and like I said you're painting with them and you're playing play-doh every day you're on the floor and you're constantly doing stuff all the time Mm. with my second child like I said when he came along I was kind of still very much doing that but when my third child child came along no that never happened none of it never happened the Annabelle Carmel stuff never happened again (laughs) (laughs) it was literally some some smash with some beans in a tub there you go (laughs) that's one of your five a day that is (laughs) no I I get that my standards are completely dropped by them but he was loved <laughs> and very well fed, but I didn't go to the same extreme as I did for my first child. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. He is as healthy as the other two are. It's just, like I said, I because I, I just looked at it so differently than I ever did with my with my yeah. other two. So, yeah. No, I completely get that. Oh, wow. It's been so nice oh, to have this conversation. You <laughs> Thank you so okay, much. So, thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to thank my guest today, Harry. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.